Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey Wiley. G. How are we doing on this beautiful Monday? You know, Rosh, Duke may have lost the ACC tournament, but I'm still on top of the world because March Madness, also known as the NCAA tournament, is officially upon us. It is. And listen, it is all back to zero, GA. I know your your uh, Dukies lost, but they are in the tournament. That's all that matters. With that said, we have a lot to get to today. Let's get to today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. All right, the Lakers lost to the Phoenix Suns 140 to 111 on Sunday. They're now 29 for 38 and have just one more win with number with a number 10 seed, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. They haven't been a 500 team since beating the Brooklyn Nets, Arash, 106 to 96 on January 25th to improve to 24 and 24 on the season. Since then, they are 5-14 and 14 have lost seven of their last nine games. What stuck out most about Sunday's loss to you? You know, the problem with Sunday's game and why it really kind of hit home in terms of, you know, listen, we know that this is a, a bad team. That goes without saying. But, GA, they really didn't even try in this game. I mean, just from the opening tip, like even if you're going to get blown out, at least pretend like you care for, for the first quarter of the game. It was an embarrassment. You know, just tuning into that game, and I'm one who I think I, I am a glutton for punishment. I'm still tuning into these games. Uh, there is one thing that I posted in the morning column. Um, just the lack of effort from Le- really LeBron James in particular. Uh, when you were just watching him during the first three minutes of that game. Not going back on defense. Not not putting himself in a position uh, you know, to help his team win, which, listen, at the end of the day, like LeBron's the only player who's really playing for this team right now. So it was just really bad. Just from the beginning of the opening tip in GA, they gave up 48 points in the first quarter. And if that sounds like a lot, it is. In the history of the Lakers franchise, going back to Minneapolis, they've never given up 48 points in the first quarter. That That is just a team from the opening tip that didn't care, didn't want to be there. And then, like, LeBron is smiling afterwards, and I don't want to knock him for that. Uh, the game's a blowout. He probably saw Chris Paul or a friend of his. Uh, just the optics of this team, just not caring, was really bad. And from the beginning of that game... So that's what stuck out to me. We get it. This is a below 500 team. They're not a very good team this season. But to really not even try at the beginning of the game, first quarter of the game, to give up 48 points in the first quarter and embarrassment, and there's no excuse for that. 100%. I mean, that game, I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't watch it just because I knew it was going to be a blowout. I saw it like here and there. Um you know, as I was going to a, a bar after I got off of work. Um, but that that game was less entertaining than the HBO Lakers show, um, show winning a, a dynasty or whatever 
I would rather watch that than watch this Laker game. And the fact that you know LeBron is giving, you know, I don't want to say negative effort because he's still on the floor. He's still there, but it's not a lot. And it's, it is kind of sad that we are where we are and the Lakers are where they are. So, I mean, I hope that they move on from this. I hope that this year is a learning tool for them, I guess. I, I don't know. It, this just whole season's been kind of disappointing. Yeah, it's been a train wreck of the season. It's been an absolute joke. Yeah. Well, Anthony Davis... Arash gave the Suns some bulletin board material before Sunday's game when he was asked um, if his growing injury, which sidelined him for much of the Lakers' first round series against the Phoenix Suns, was the reason the Suns beat them last year. And I quote, It was, he told reporters, We know that. They know that. They got away with one. Do you agree with Davis? I actually do. Listen, I get that if you're a Phoenix Suns fan or if you're a Phoenix Suns player, you don't want to hear that. Like, at the end of the day, Life happens, and he got hurt. Listen, Chris Paul was not 100% healthy for that series. At the end of the day, the Suns not only won that series, they made it all the way to the finals. But the fact of the matter is, Davis was the reason that they won the two games that they won in that series. You know, he was the leading scorer in game two. Yeah, sorry, in game two, in game three. 34 points, 11 boards. They took a 2-1 series lead. They were leading in the first half of game four and really could have taken a 3-1 series lead. Davis goes down. He's out for the entire second half. They lose that game, really doesn't come back, and and they lose the series. So I get if you're a Suns fan, you don't want to hear that. But the fact of the matter is um, they're used to hearing that about their playoff run a year ago. I mean, they're used to the Clippers fans essentially saying if Kawhi was healthy, they would have, uh, the Clippers would have beaten the Suns. And if the Nuggets were healthy, maybe they would have won a couple of games in that series. But when you looked at that Lakers Suns series a year ago, it was very clear that if Davis was healthy and Davis was on the court, the Lakers were going to win that game. They were going to win that series. But I get it. It was a year ago. Nobody wants to hear about uh, that. And no one wants to hear that. Uh, if they were healthy, they would have won. The fact of the matter is Davis was not only not healthy during the playoffs last year, he has not been healthy really since the NBA Finals uh, 17 months ago. So I actually agree with Anthony Davis, but I get if you're a Suns fan, Suns player, you don't want to hear that. Yeah, I mean, Arash, you just brought it up. Realistically, this is what happened, right? Um, I do agree with you, though. I mean, any team that's fully healthy is going to be able to contend against that Suns team, right? And especially if Davis is healthy. So, yeah, they got away with one. But that's the playoffs. That's that's what happens when you are um, vying for a playoff and vying to uh, to win it all and win a championship. You got to be healthy. You know, you got to uh, or you have to make those adjustments. And Lakers have didn't make those adjustments. They didn't, you know, even without Davis there, they didn't make those adjustments. And, you know, Suns, I guess what... I, I guess Anthony Davis is right. The Suns got away with one, right? But, you know, then stay healthy, I guess, buddy. I, I, I That would be my takeaway from this whole entire thing. Well, the Lakers won the championship 17 months ago, Arash. They had the second best record in the league 12 months ago, a year to date. How did the this Lakers team fall so far so fast? You know, people forget, you know, because they are in such a dire state right now in terms of, uh, again, being nine games below 500, not being a, a 
championship contending team. I mean, people forget it was only 17 months ago, and you mentioned it, GA, that they won a championship. And only a year ago, one year ago, they had the second best record in the league. LeBron James goes down, and then Anthony Davis goes down. But it was more than just that. They had a championship team, and I and I really uh, emphasize the word team because when you look at what they have now, they don't have you know Kyle Kuzma and KCP and Alex Caruso and Jared Dudley and uh, and you go down the list of guys who were on this team when they won a championship and guys who were on this team a year ago. They, for whatever reason, didn't think that those guys were important or thought that they were expendable. Didn't try to keep Caruso, let him walk to Chicago for nothing. Caruso would have taken a pay cut to stay here. Kyle Kuzma was happy to be here. KCP was happy to be here. Um, Huntress Harrell traded that package of players for Russell Westbrook. Uh, they really never appreciated the team that they had until that they were gone. And so it's really important to mention that, yes, they have not been healthy this year. But we've seen this team healthy, and they're just not a very good team. And the fact of the matter is, this Lakers front office, or whether it's LeBron and a combination of LeBron and Rob Lincoln, never fully appreciated the fact that they had a championship team, and they think that last year was a was a a disaster because they lost in the first round. Well. We just touched on the GA. If they were healthy last year, that was the second best team in the league. Again, only two games behind the Utah Jazz. And so, but, you know, it, it, health at this point doesn't matter because that team is gone. Who's my KCP Caruso? You go down the list. They took a sledgehammer to that team and they are left with this train wreck right now. Yeah, amen. I mean, the, this whole entire decision to decimate this wonderful team. Uh, that was the Lakers and put a sledgehammer to it. Arash, like you said, was just a, a detriment to their, to the failure. It, it just, it doesn't make sense. And I said it in the beginning of the season, it did not make sense to get rid of all that young, wonderful talent in Caruso. Um, it, it didn't make sense whatsoever. It made a lot more sense to keep it the way it was. Take a page out of the Clippers book, keep all of your guys. Those are the ones that, you know, they helped you along the way. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, should have just kept the team the way that it was. I mean, they were amazing. Well, one of the saddest and most undercovered stories in sports right now is the, that WNBA star Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia for one month now with no updates on her status or well-being. What do you make of her situation, Arash, and the lack of media coverage? You know, this is really sad. I mean, I mean, if this was a um, NBA player, if, if this was someone else, I mean, you got to imagine that this would leave the news on a daily basis. You know, one of the biggest issues I have with the story is that when you read about it, and again, not a ton of people are, are covering it, but when they are, they lead with the fact that she has be, been detained on drug charges. I really think at this point we have to move on past that because what, what what she was actually detained for was a vape cartridge containing hashish oil. That, that I mean, she, she she shouldn't have had that. I get that, but this you're, I mean, when you read a headline that someone has been detained because of uh, drugs or drug charges, I mean, you 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 think you know this person has like a kilo of coke or something? I mean, again, she was caught with a cartridge of hashish oil, and so uh, again, she's been there for a month, detained. Haven't heard from her. Haven't seen her. I think there was one picture of her. So, um, you know, I'm actually uh, fearful 
and and worried about her well-being. Uh, you just want to get some updates on her and you want to see some backlash, whether it's like NBA players, whether it's celebrities, someone saying, you know, return Brittany Griner back home. And, 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 and I'm a little upset that this story is not getting the coverage that it deserves. Um, again, I, I totally realize we are in the middle of a war r- right now, and that's why her situation is very troublesome. Because I, I think this has gone from uh, someone being detained for drugs to being effectively a hostage. And Brittany Griner should be allowed to return home. Uh, so it, it, it's a story that, that I want more coverage. It's a story that, unfortunately, maybe because the WNBA doesn't get covered enough, uh, I got to imagine if Brittany Griner was an NBA player, this would be covered a lot more. You know what's really sad, Arash, is that not only is this not getting any coverage, but no offense, and I, I don't want to like hate on the LGBTQ plus community, but they should be outraged right now because the way that the LGBTQ community gets treated in Russia, they have no rights over there. If anything, she's going to be detained even longer because of her uh, because of her LGBTQ. Uh, so it's it's just going to get worse and worse for this uh, woman. And you're right. Where are we now? It's 2022, people. It's 2022. And you're holding her for hashish oil? I mean, come on. There should definitely be more uh, more coverage on this, definitely. Um, well, Arash, leave it to Tom Brady to upstage March Madness and Selection Sunday by announcing his return to football just one month after the NFL season. Brady, I mean, come on. Does this does that really even count as a retirement? Come on. The NFL season just ended a month ago. No, I think, yeah. I mean, it, it's he technically retired, GK, but as you mentioned, I mean, the season was done a month ago. One month ago, Sunday, was the Super Bowl. So, I mean, he didn't even really retire, right? I mean, it, you know, we, we're not even at the draft. We've not had many camps. Uh, so, again, he is... Uh, He's coming back. And there was a lot of funny memes, memes out there and things online that, you know, one month with Giselle and the kids and, and he had had enough. He, he needs to go back <laughs> to trading for uh, the upcoming season. Um, you know, but you know what? The cool thing is, Jihei, is that, you know, we, we were trying to picture the league without Tom Brady uh, because, again, he's going to be 45 years old during training camp. And the in the way that he's playing right now is amazing. And I know Le- Le- LeBron, uh, you know, keeps up, keeps tabs on Tom Brady because we've talked about the way like LeBron's playing right now. You know, next season he'll be 38 years old, turning 38 in December, going into his 20th season. And it's like, he's not slowing down. I mean, he just dropped 56, just dropped 50. Amazingly, G.A. leading the league in scoring right now. So, yeah, listen, Tom Brady technically retired for a month, but I'm not really going to count that because, uh, you know, at least miss a couple of days of training camp like at least miss the preseason i mean uh, yeah he's he's uh, not missed one ses- a second of the offseason so you know now i fully expect rob gronkowski to come back um and you know you know tampa bay to contend because you got Darren rogers back in green bay you got tom brady back with uh tampa bay they are uh, the top two favorites right now in the NFC, surprisingly, it was the Rams, but that bit of news with the Packers and the and the Bucks, according to Vegas, anyway, those are the uh, top two favorites out of the NFC and out of the uh, uh, out of 
the AFC, it's the uh, Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah, I was just going to ask you a question on that one. So where do you think the Rams are in contention? I know that they're not no longer favored, you know, to go back to back to run it back, as uh, Sean McVay would say. But what is your th- what are your thoughts as far as them, you know, contending for a title, the Rams? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like the fact if, if they bring that entire crew back with which and there's still some question there. So I think when like Karen Donald officially announces he'll be back and they bring back Von Miller and that whole crew, I think that they move up as well. But I totally get it. You know, Vegas is a big, big name, uh, you know, town when it comes to, you know, who they have as favorites. So, um, you know. And, and again, the Rams are right there in the top five in the mix with the Chiefs, the Bills, the Packers now, the Bucks, and the Rams. They're all kind of in there together. But listen, I still like the Rams. And I know historically speaking, outside of Tom Brady and the Patriots, effectively, normally it's hard to repeat. But man, if they bring that entire crew back with the Stafford and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald and Ramsey and that old crew, I, I do like the Rams to repeat. Yeah, I mean, let's hope they do, Arash. The brackets were set on Sunday. March Madness is officially upon us. My favorite time of the year. I'm so excited. Um, what matchups are you most looking forward to, Arash, watching during the first round of the tourney? You know, I mean, listen, I am a USC fan. And so, of course, I'm just kind of, you know, I, I was more focused on, you know, where is USC going to wind up? They lost to UCLA in the semifinal of the uh, Pac-10 tournament. So didn't expect them to have a high seed. Uh, you know, uh, I think they got effectively the seed that they should have gotten as the number seven seed. They're going up against Miami. Um, you know, they will be favored to win that game in that 7-10 um, matchup. And I actually think that they have a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, Auburn didn't look all that great in their uh, tournament. So, yeah, listen, I I know last year was a Cinderella-type season for UCLA and USC. UCLA going to the Final Four, USC USC going to the Elite Eight. But, you know, kind of focusing on the local schools here. But I do like USC to make uh, make it at least to the Sweet 16. I think that you have a lot of uh, nostalgia, I guess, for them, uh, Arash. I, I'm I'm not as confident. I would lo- I would love for them to make it to the Sweet 16. I think I think it would be great play. I think it'd be great for college basketball, um, for some Pac-12 teams to get in there uh, into the Sweet 16. I'm actually really looking forward to Texas Virginia Tech. I know that sounds really odd. Um, I think that Virginia Tech is extremely well coached, and I'm. And no offense to Texas, but they've had like a really bad run. I don't think they deserve that sixth seed, but there they are. Um, and I think Virginia Tech's a great team. I think that they are going to be that one upset uh, that we see early on in the tournament. Uh, looking forward to seeing Duke pummel Cal State Fullerton. I know that that goes against the grain because it's you know <laughs> we should stay local and support our local teams. But forget you people. I'm all about my Duke basketball, and I can't wait for uh to at least make it to the Sweet 16 this year. And for all those that think that I am a diehard, you know, kind of fan that thinks that they're going to make it all the way, I don't. I think they'll make it to the Sweet 16, and then that's all she wrote after that for Coach K's run. What 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 happened with this team, Jihei? I mean, just if you can kind of touch on that before we head to break. I mean, you know, obviously they lose to UNC in Coach K's last uh, game at Cameron, and then obviously they kind of... Uh, surprisingly lost in the championship game of Coach K's last uh, conference tournament. What happened? You know what? I wish I could have an answer for you. I think that, you know, it's just, it's normal for 
they're kids. They're 19 years old, you know, 18, 19 years old uh, to depend on somebody like that and think that they're going to make a run and go all the way. It's not really, it's kind of fodder, right? It's not really realistic. So I, I think that, I, I mean, God, I hope they prove me wrong. I, I would love it if they proved me wrong. I think also some matchups that happened taking out Theo John um, and taking out Mark Williams was just the wrong idea. I think those two guys are studs. Mark Williams is my, one of my favorite players on this Duke squad. Uh, I mean, you can't teach a seven six wingspan. You just can't. Uh, so I'm just I'm really yeah. hoping you know maybe that he stays in a little longer, doesn't get into foul trouble, and maybe we can contend for a title. But I just don't see it happening if if he keeps taking him out. All right, let's uh, leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Lakers and that disastrous game on Sunday. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming LA Kings or LA Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. That number again, 310-400-0340. So the Lakers lost Sunday. And that's not breaking news. The Lakers are not a very good team this year, and especially against the uh, Suns. They have really struggled since last year's first-round series. The Suns have not only beaten the Lakers in their last six meetings, they have done so by an average of 18 points. So these games are not close. The issue, as I touched on in the first segment that I had with this game on Sunday, was that it was over following the opening tip. At least pretend like you care for a quarter. At least pretend like you care for the first couple of minutes of the game. You know, when you look at the defense of this team in the first few minutes of that game, it was as if they might as well stayed back in the locker room. As I mean, they might have, they might as well have not even flown to Phoenix. I mean, they really did not try. And that game was a nationally televised Sunday afternoon game. And it was as if they didn't even want to be here. Giving up 48 points in the first quarter. The most points that the Lakers have given up in the first quarter in franchise history. So, uh, you know, when you have a performance like that against a team that, listen, we, we get it. The Suns are the best team in the Western Conference this year. But when you give up 48 points in the uh, first quarter, you're not even trying. I mean, again, I mean, it is actually hard <laughs> to give up 48 points in the first quarter. So that is why, instead of bringing on someone to talk about it, uh, as we normally do on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, I kind of want to hear from the Lakers following that disastrous game. Uh, that that was a performance that had. No business taking place on national television. I'm still amazed that the Lakers are on the national TV as much as they are. I get it's LeBron James. I get it's the Lakers. But even if you're a diehard LeBron fan, even if you're a diehard Lakers fan, you don't want to see your team lose by 30-plus uh, points. But anyways, uh, in lieu of a 
guest on the hotline, on the Circus Sports guest hotline, we are now going to hear from LeBron James, Malik Monk, and Frank Vogel trying to explain that disastrous blowout to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday afternoon. Ron, Frank is talking about how typically the next day uh, the knee is, is pretty sore. After you put in a night, you're able to kind of use that time to get back. You did play in the one back-to-back that you had earlier in February, but just wonder how that impacts your recovery and then what the mindset is for tomorrow. Well, I mean, only time will tell. Obviously, we're about to hop on the floor right now and head back to L.A., so um, it's usually the following day. Um, you know, I'll wake up and, and see how it feels tomorrow and Get to the arena like I always, like I always uh, do, and start to prepare and, and see um, how it reacts to uh, to the game tonight. So I'm hoping for the best. And just curious, your analysis tonight and a lot of it in that first quarter. Game yeah, I mean, listen, you can't uh, versus the number one team in the league. There's no way you can go down, um, you know, 26 points at the end of the first quarter, give up 48, um, and expect to uh, make a game out of it. Um, you know, we played you know pretty good ball in the second quarter. Um, you know, but you can't, you can't dig a hole like that versus a team like this. Yeah. Ron, um, I'm sure there are other questions about the game, but we um, had the opportunity to talk to AD for the first time since his injury today, and it seems like there's some progress and then he's going to be able to get back on the court. But who knows what that timeline ends up looking like. Are you able to look ahead at all to when he gets back and, and what kind of difference that can make for this team? Or is that something you just have to kind of keep in the future and when you get there, you get there. Yeah, it's more when you get there, you get there. And obviously, you know, his health is what's most important for not only himself but for our franchise. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, my focus is sorely on each day's game, you know, that we probably, you know, as we plan and, you know, trying to stay, you know, in the hunt, um, you know, the, the plan or whatever the case may be. So, um, yeah, when that, when that happens, I'm, excuse me, obviously I'm going to be extremely excited. I mean, um, Mr. Guy, Mr. Big Phil out there, but, um, we can't focus on that right now. Um, but, you know, seeing him not in the boot is definitely, uh, seeing you guys are nine games under 500, but even with the loss tonight, you're a game of over 500 with you starting at center. Uh, what do you think, or do you think that that is the direction to go or the best option for you guys in the interim? I mean, obviously, I mean, it's hard to, uh, to say. I think we, you know, we won't had 11 games with me starting at center, I believe. It can be 65. Or 76. But um, it's a small dosage, obviously. But, I mean, we've had uh, so many different lineup changes this year and, and trying to figure out ways which ones works the best. Um, that's probably been the only one that's been above 500. Um, so, you know, we've tried to stick with it. We just try to have some consistency with some lineups. You know, and, uh, you know, like you said, tonight was not a, you know, a winning ingredient for it. But we've had you know, some very good moments at um, me starting at center. I know statistical milestones certainly feel more meaningful if they're attached to a win, but I'm just curious, considering it's it's a one-on-one type of stat, becoming the first player in the history to reach 10K points, rebounds, and assists, what that caused you to pause and reflect on? Uh, well, my teammates congratulated me um, after the game. Um, my mom texted me. Um, you know, I believe she hit me at halftime. I seen it after the game, but um, I mean, it's just it's, it's just pretty like I get lost for words anytime like things like this is happening to me. I'm just knowing where I come from. I automatically start thinking to my hometown of Akron and you know my upbringing and where I come from and um, the dreams that I had of being in this being in this league and playing at the, the highest level. 
Um, you know, and so now sit alone at a, at a statistical category in his league um, that I really like, you know, model my game after being able to score, rebound, and assist. Um, to sit alone at a, at a stat is um, is pretty, like, I you know, say cool, but then it's like, it doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, but it's an honor to be a part of this league. And no matter what's going on this season, you try to take the, 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 the victories that, that, that happens, you know, throughout the course of a long marathon. And uh, tonight is one for not only myself, but for my hometown, uh, for my family and friends. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Malik said that he thought there are nights when this team just doesn't try enough. Um, has the effort, have you seen consistent enough effort at a winning level from this team? Um, I think when we, uh, when we get down, uh, we've lost so many games that uh, uh, we feel like we can't get out of the hole. Um, at times, and um, you know, team on a twelve-zero run or nine-to-one run. I mean, tonight we was up, you know, eight-to-two, um, and then they went on a you know a quick um, run after that. And I don't even know the run it was, but they just you know, start blitzing us after that. And we just, you know, as a as a collective unit, um, we haven't been in the the foxhole enough to be able to. Say okay, we can get out of this, and you know that's something that's that's hurt us all throughout the season. Hi. Actually, that was my question. Okay. Does to follow up, does getting in a guy you have in the foxhole with, you know, and obviously the team is like the team will get the copy. But yeah, I mean, but does just getting him back, like how much? Will that yeah, I mean, it puts a bandaid on some things, but I mean. We, we just haven't had enough chemistry, enough time, um, you know, with our with our group to be able to know exactly who we are and what we can become, and had enough minutes on the floor. Um, you know, we literally just played a team that has, you know, probably had the most consistent starting lineup um, over the last two or three years, um, and obviously CP's been out, but you know, they. they Bring in Cameron Payne, and you know the, the thing keeps going. So, um, you know, this is always challenging for us, but eighty definitely helps. But it's not the, you know, uh, the answer to all the, to all the questions. Well, I we just wondered what Frank was trying to get across in those early timeouts once Phoenix started making that run early in the first quarter, and why you think that there just wasn't the response on the court. More urgency on the defensive end, man. Um, we was giving up way too many easy buckets. Um, and that was, he, he, he was stressing that. Um, I can't tell you why we didn't, um, imply all the, all the, all the things we went over and things we knew we were supposed to do. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, he was just telling us we got to have a, a, a higher sense of urgency. And then you've had, we've had these conversations before, right? So I don't know if there's anything new frustration wise for you guys, but how do you, how do you take a loss like that and, and then try to do what you have done before or some and then play tomorrow night and try to play differently? Yeah, the game over with, man. So we focus on tomorrow. Now we got to throw that one out the window because, uh, we know, we know we went wrong. Uh, everybody does. Um, just like every, every, every time we lose like that, man, it's, um, you got to throw it out the, I mean, it's bad things that happen, but you really just got to throw it out the window because, you got a next game and you can't 
worry about what you did last game. So we just got to um, focus on tomorrow, man, Toronto. Uh, like, obviously, this is the number one team in the West. Uh, but you guys have also lost you know, 10 straight road games. What in that pattern is happening that, that um, has made it harder to compete in some of these road games for you guys? We come out flat, man. Like I said, we have no, no sense of urgency um, getting back on the defensive end. Um, sometimes we settle for one pass shots, no shot, uh, no pass shots. Um, then we hang our heads and don't get back on defensive end, man. So we just come out flat a, a, a little too much on the road and, and have to, we dig ourselves a hole that we can't get back from sometimes. So we gotta do a better job, man. Yeah. These are like um, the problems that you're describing have, have existed for most of the season. Um, do you, I mean, are you still, is this just what the team is? Is it, you know, are, are these fixable? Um, has the energy and effort, I guess, secondarily, has, how is the energy and effort into fixing them and not being able to affect this team's overall energy? Uh, it's high right now, man, because, because like you said, we had, like he said, we had 10, 10 roll losses, man, and, and, and everybody's getting, everybody's tired of it. Um, we all talk about it. We all say the things, man. We just got to go out there and, and, and do the right things, man, and, and just play with a sense of urgency. Um, and, and, and actually just try, man. Um, I don't, sometimes I don't think we, we, we try enough and uh, include myself. Um, so yeah, man, we just got to, I don't know. We got to get it together, man. That's all I got to say. Um, sick of saying that shit though, but. Well, you guys still, despite the loss of a winning record, when LeBron started at the five, but. So that's there. Yeah, already by fourteen. Uh, other things that, like, as a collective, when you play that unit, that you guys have to focus on, or is it limited? Other other, other things you could practice to, to make up for what you're lacking without a traditional center with that lineup. Uh, nights like that, man. I think I got to go get seven, seven or eight rebounds. Me and Austin got to go get like seven or eight rebounds, man. We got to do a better job in that to 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 help Stanley's to help. Seven, Lamelo. I mean, Melo to help LeBron um, battle those big guys, man. So it's, it's the guards got to come back and 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 battle down there a little harder than we did um, when we played small. Um, it's not it's it's nothing you can practice, man, because it's it's effort and you can't practice effort. So yeah, man, the guards got to come back and do a better job than in, in pinching the bigs when we when we small like that. And uh, yeah, man, I got to get way more rebounds than I had tonight. Uh, along those lines, Frank was saying that he feels like the, the biggest advantage to Mike Smaller is obviously the additional spacing and you guys kind of being able to attack off the dribble, uh, but that wasn't necessarily the case tonight. How, how do you guys get back to that? How can you do a better job of that? Uh, like I said before, man, we, we, we settled a little too much with one pass or no pass shots. And um, if we pass the ball over three or four times, man, we get something great you know, almost every time. So if we just go back to Playing basketball that way, man, it'll be it'll be perfectly fine. It's unacceptable. Um, our ball security and focus on what we're trying to do offensively uh, wasn't there. Led to a lot of turnovers and um, a lot of fast break points for them. And you know our defensive focus wasn't where it needed to be either. And you know this is a tough matchup uh, to play small ball against. You know with DeAndre Ayton and, and you know their, their firepower at the guard position. We knew that was going to be tough, but, you know, definitely got to be better than we were tonight. 
you called those two early timeouts clearly to try to address some of that, Frank. But what were you saying there, and, and what was the what were you trying? We to take do? better shots. We got to take care of the basketball. You know, we're taking terrible shots, and we're and we're turning the ball over, and and we're just getting runouts. And you know, obviously, um, you know that that puts you at a disadvantage to start. And then the defensive disposition uh, needed to be better. Um, again, in in what is a tough matchup, you know, with how we want to to try to minimize the damage of what Aiden can do inside, you know, while uh, you know while playing small and giving us the offensive space. But if we're not going to use the offensive space and we're going to turn the basketball over and take bad shots, then you know it doesn't matter what kind of space we have, you know, and and you, you can't compromise your defense, you know, if you're not going to take advantage of that. Frank, you talk about shot selection and, and things like that. Did, did you view? It's, it's weird to say this in a night where they scored as much as they did. But did you did you view a lot of the, the issues to be more so on the offensive side of the ball? I would say it was even. I mean, the defense the defensive numbers are going to what going to be what stood out. But uh, again, a lot of those were poor offensive possessions that led the runs. They had twenty fast break points in the first first quarter. I don't know if I've ever seen that. So, you know, I think it was uh, on both ends. Where do you start trying to defend the? Where do you start trying to address the defensive stuff that you talked about? I mean, I know it's been season long. Look, we're, we're trying to we're trying to make things happen. You know, with a with a smaller lineup, which is benefiting our best player offensively, and and, and giving us a chance. You know, but. Um, you know, it's it's not a lineup that's that's built to be great defensively. You know, and, and unless we really execute uh, our switching the right way and, and everything that goes into negotiating through some of the mismatches that are created, and then certain opponents are are tougher to do that against than others. So, you know, I mean, you go back. We we started the second half a different way. You know, with more of a conventional lineup with with Dwight. Um, you know, I don't know if that was much better. There was so many things that um, heard you guys did. Talon goes one for eight and it's coming off a, a strong game. It seems that a recent pattern of having a pretty good effort followed by you know, kind of inconsistency. That, what have you guys told him as a staff or, or who is helping him um, try to find his way? I mean, he works most closely with uh, with Mike P uh, and with uh, and with Phil, but. Um, you know, you just gotta, you try to encourage the guy to, to play the right way. You know, he had a terrific performance, especially in the second half last game. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, just didn't have the same rhythm tonight. You know, so we'll look at the tape, you know, we'll continue to work with our guys like we always do and you know, hopefully we're better tomorrow. Yeah. I know the general principle has been see how he feels, but any early prognosis on LeBron's availability? No. See how he feels tomorrow. More questions? How, how did you feel in addition to like the turnovers? How did you feel the ball movement? Unless you guys tonight against this number for especially starting to really Yeah, nothing we did tonight was good enough. Just short answer. Thank you, All right, that was LeBron James, Frank Vogel, Malik Monk on the uh, Circus Sports Guest Hotline. Just uh, that was their post game press conference yesterday and you know Jihei touched on it and I want to kind of bring her in for just for this because I uh was so upset by that performance by the Lakers I was all done with the Lakers I will catch up with uh with with episode two of winning time on HBO so I watched the first episode I uh know Jihei watched episode two she had a a, a nice tweet about it uh Jihei, your your thoughts on this HBO series about the Showtime Lakers, Dr. Jerry Buss, after he purchased this team, how, you know, how competitive he is. And um, 
I wouldn't say it's a hot take, but I know a lot of Laker fans are not going to want to hear that you believe that maybe the, the, the next in line to be the next Dr. Jerry Buss in terms of being a great donor is maybe the owner of the Clippers, Steve Ballmer. Yeah, you know what? He... It's so interesting to me when you watch the um, uh, winning time uh, HBO special of the Lakers, how much you see of Balmer in uh, the young Dr. Uh, Dr. Buss. You just, you just see he wants to win. He wants to make this team, this squad um, his own and make it LA's own as well. So I just, that's why I put that tweet out there because I think that he just has so much. He wants to win. He still wants that kind of gut Reaction. I think that Dr. Buss had against Red um, Arbach, who, if anybody remembers their history, is one of the most hated owners in Laker history, right? Like, you just, you wanted to beat him so bad. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, Balmer has. He has that competitive spirit, and I know he does not like to lose. So I know that he is going to do whatever it takes. And I love that fighting spirit that, you know, whatever it takes. I don't care how much money. I don't care what, you know, how much luxury tax we have to spend. I love our new owner. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been the fun thing for Laker fans. Certainly, if you did not grow up during that time period, really seeing how the Lake the Lakers showtime period came to be with Dr. Jerry Buss and and five championships during that time period with Lakers, with the Lakers, with Magic and Kareem. And so it's been a fun watch. And it's been a particularly fun show to watch while you're watching what the Lakers are unfortunately doing this season, which not, which is not a whole lot. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother got Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.